and he'd lay out, I don't know if he was like a caterpillar, but he'd lay out about 10 pair of footy boots along the floor and pick which boots he was going to wear. Okay. Um, I'd like to give a big shout out to the Hoodoo Gurus who have given us permission to use part of their song, That's My Team, as our new podcast episode intro for all of their music. And whenever they are going live or performing live, head to their Facebook and their Instagram. The links will be in the description below. Be sure to give them a like and a follow as well on Facebook and Instagram. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tucker podcast. And we've actually got um, a goal guest in the sense of this bloke has been one of the goals that I've wanted to have on the podcast. And his name is Mark Hughes, founder of the Mark Hughes Foundation, um, current new owner of Airlocker, I think it's Newcastle. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us today. CJ, great to have a chat, mate. Looking forward to it. Yeah, no, no worries. So, I mean, obviously, let's get started and let's talk about Airlocker because that's the first thing we I mentioned just then. What is Air Locker and how's that going for you? Yeah, look, um, I'm certainly uh, wanting to look after myself these days. I want to enjoy life, get the most out of it. And I stumbled across uh, Air Locker training in Newcastle and um, quickly formed a really great friendship there with Roman, the, the founder. And before I knew it, I was a partner. And I'm very excited to be saying that, uh, you know, we're looking for new partners right across Australia. Um, we started one in Bondi. Uh, two weeks ago. I saw that on LinkedIn, yeah. Yeah, so it's a really good thing to do, you know. It's, there's so many benefits to training at altitude. I like that it's a bit less impact. On so that's what, that's what it does. It's, it's training at altitude sort of thing. Is it like a higher up gym or, yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, group training uh, at altitude. So you're at 3,200 meters above sea level. Oh, wow. Um, so there's normally right now there's 20... 1% oxygen in the air when you're in air locker there's about 13% it oh. makes your body work harder it um, makes you lose body fat for longer during the day um, less impact on your body which I like and as you get older you don't want to do <laughs> but still get great results so really good so I, I recommend checking it out everyone and um, hopefully there's an air locker coming uh, near you some, at some point well I mean I'll definitely throw in the links of air locker Newcastle and Bondi and all that in the description of this episode so if anyone in, who's interested just click in the description you'll find the links there um, so your debut was in 1997 for the Newcastle Knights of your beloved Newcastle Knights because you didn't play for any other team except for in Super League which if you don't mind me asking did you choose to go to Super League because you couldn't bring yourself to play for another team in the NRL Oh, look, uh, I'm a Newcastle boy through and through and um, absolutely loved it. And I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't examine any options for going to anywhere else. So I, I had a great career at the Knights and I just thought it was the right time um, to, to go over there. I had a couple of injuries towards the end of my career, which didn't help. So it was just good timing to, to finish off over and um, play for France. Yeah, no, that's fair because I, I spoke to Beaver a few months ago and his reasoning to go over to Catalans was the coach had said, look, I don't really have a place for you at Manly. You're free to look at other options. And he couldn't bring himself to play against Manly, you know, because his heart was, you know, one club man sort of thing, which is very similar to yourself. Um, talking about your debut, what was that like, running out onto the field for the Newcastle Knights, being a Novocastrian yourself and everything like that? It was, uh, it was a bit surreal, you know. When I was 18, I was playing club football for my beloved Curry Curry Bulldogs. Yep. Uh, so I wasn't going through the Knights junior system. I wasn't one of those star players, so to speak. So 
I had to do it pretty pretty tough. And I got finally got an opportunity when I was 19 um, to go and trial for the Knights 21s team. And from there, it all happened quite quickly. And before I knew it, I was 20. Wow. And, um, well, that's, a, that, that's a pretty late start um, back then for the NRL. So, sorry, continue. Yeah, that's right. So, I was, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I wasn't in the junior systems. I, I didn't have the gym programs or the training programs behind me. But I, uh, I managed to slot myself in uh, to the nights and I... It was midway through 1997 on a rainy, cold night up in Gold Coast. I got oh. my first. Back in those days, you'd play reserve grade and you would sit on the bench. Bench for first grade in case. Yeah, you might have been one of six or eight players and you're just hoping you might get a run. And I got a run. Robbie O'Davis uh, got injured at fullback. Yep. We, were lo- we were losing about 18 nil at the time. Oh, that's, not a, that's not a good yeah. debut. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to score a try and did well and... I didn't look back from there. I mean, and, and in that same year, you then went on to win the grand final. First of all, the first grand final for the Knights and your first grand final in your debut season. What was that all like when it cultivated at the end of that final siren of the grand final? Oh, that was, you know, that was just something else. You know, there's a lot going on. Um, the BHP closed in Newcastle that year, which meant a lot of job losses around Newcastle. Um, there was the Super League war. A lot of things going on and Rugby League were looking for a really good story and they found one with us. Oh, it was. Um, Manly had beaten us, I think it was 18 times in a row before that. And three times that year already, I I think it was, or twice at least that year, yeah. Had a champion team, you know, led by Paul Harrigan, you know, the the best leader I've ever been associated with. Um, The Johns brothers, the halves there, we had Adam Muir in the back row was... You know, going really well. Robbie Davis. Uh, look, I could name... You just it. had the team, if that makes it. You had yeah, the had team of 97. We had a great mix. Tony Butterfield, Mark Lamb, all these older guys, some young guys. And um, we found a way to win. And that's what you've got to do sometimes, just, just find a way. Uh, I found out that in life as well. Sometimes you just need <laughs> to find a way. And um, that's sort of what we did uh, with an enormous amount of support behind us. A tidal wave of support. Oh, there was more Knights fans at the grand final from because I watched the replay a few weeks ago um, yeah. than there were Manly, and that's just insane considering that was Manly's third in a row, like in that in that succession. But there was like a sea of red and blue. Yeah, just the, when we left the ground the day before from the stadium, the whole car park was full of people Saturday afternoon, and the bus was leaving and. Um, Paul Harrigan and that stood up in the bus and that they had tears rolling down their eyes and they sort of said, you know, this this is more than a game. Um, we're not going to lose this one. We're, we're bringing this trophy back, boys. And I was sort of sitting there in my seat going, wow, this is this is serious stuff, this. Yeah, and, like, um, it, like it's bigger than me. It's bigger than us. Yeah, yeah. This is just enormous. And they were lining the streets and you could just feel that support and we, we took that out on the field with us. Honestly, yeah. Um, there's very few one-team towns in the NRL. The Broncos are one, the Storm are one, and the Knights, in my opinion, there's no, they're the only three. Oh, and the Warriors, because they're more or less a one-country team, let's be honest. But yeah, and it's great when teams such as the Knights get their first win or the Storm got their first one in 99, the Broncos in 92. It's just, it really is amazing how much it means to them. And I was talking to Robbie O a few months ago and he said the after party for the 97 grand final was just second to none. Do you have any fun memories of 
the after of the after party or aftermath of the win? Well, it was just pandemonium. The, the town was just in party mode. You know, we we got back to the workers' club. The streets were lined. Um, the bus was weaving through the crowd. Um, <laughs> it was it was an amazing um, thing to, to be a part of. And then we had a street parade a few days later. Yep. Which I think there was about a hundred thousand people. Oh wow! We had, the, we had the screaming jets playing there. The boys were crowd surfing and we're on stage with them, which was just unforgettable. Um, I know there's a story that does the rounds where I was with Paul Harrigan late night at a um, at a 24-hour pub a few nights into it. Mm-hmm. And Chief fell asleep on a stool right in front of the toilets and no one could get into the toilet and Chief was asleep. So I had to uh, show a bit of leadership of my own and I, I grabbed him and put him put his arm around me and as I got him up out of his chair, everyone in the pub, and this was the early hours of the morning, gave him a massive, massive round of applause. Oh, wow. Walking him out the pub and uh, got him out the pub and we fell over onto the footpath and it was all good, all good fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just a magical time. For wow. a 20-year-old who, you know, was, as I said, playing park football 18 months earlier to... To, to NRL grand final, well, ARL grand final is, yeah. wow. <laughs> well, change, you know, and this is another thing that I've learned along the way as well. Your life can change pretty quick, you know, good or bad. And um, uh, that was a really life-changing thing. That was a really life-changing good. Trigger warning to anyone who's about to listen to this part. It contains cancer talk. And sorry to bring yeah. it up, but there was a life-changing bad in 2013 for yourself when you unfortunately were diagnosed with, was diagnosed with brain cancer. Um, what was that like, the emotions going through it, you know, from the point of being told to being told you're in remission? sort of thing and everything in between what was it like for you personally and to anyone who's listening i will definitely put down the links to any type of to any charities if any of you are listening for cancers if you know someone i'll put the links to anyone who um you know companies that may help um such as the i think it's called the pass it on foundation all all that sort of stuff um for anyone who's listening that may be going through or know someone who's going through cancer sorry continue yeah, that's really nice. Um, so I was 36 years of age with three oh, children. Oh, yeah, um, shit, sorry. Yeah, so wow. I was 30, you know, so I was tough. And then the doctor says to you, I'm sorry, Mark, you've got high-grade brain cancer. Um, now, there's no cure for brain cancer. Mm. Um, no cure. So <coughs> I was dealt those cards. And, yeah, my I had some horrible thoughts and, and really for, for a few weeks struggled. Um, it was tough, but I quickly, you know, picked up the pieces um, along with my wife, Kira Lee, and realized I had to fight this and fight it really hard. And we decided to change to change our focus and our purpose and, and start a foundation, which... An amazing really, foundation, by the way. Thank Yeah, yeah. Well, it's only amazing because of the support that we've had and particularly the rugby league community. You Definitely. have been amazing. You know, these people listening now, they would, I bet you they're like your good self there, um, would have a beanie, and that's what's helped make the difference. And it's, yep. And it really helped um, my, you know, the fight back that I've had. And I'm, I'm so positive, so strong. Um, and it's because this foundation has got so much support and we're doing so many great things. It's really been a, a great thing. And, you know, I have scans every four months. Like, people 
may forget that I'm still fighting this battle. Man. Exactly, yeah. Like, even though you may be in remission, it's still the battle. Like, my mother, she, yeah. to, my mother had breast cancer about 10 years ago. She still goes for scans every, I think it's three or four months-ish, around the same amount of time as you do. Um, because you, you may technically be all clear, but it's, to anyone who's listening, um, you may be all clear, but you're only all clear for now. It could show up at any at any point, at any time again. And hopefully yeah, it doesn't. It's one of those things. And even the word remission in brain cancer doesn't get used too often. It wouldn't really, no. So, but I feel, I feel really great and I feel like very well supported. We've got great research happening. Um, we've raised over $20 million. We've got brain cancer nurses. We've got study right across Australia. We're doing everything. Well, and that, that's what I think life's about is, is, is getting in there and having a go. Probably and just, the harder you know, option, but I had to make the choice, trying to make um, a difference, trying to help someone. I was going to respond. I think in yeah. life, if everyone has a bit of a thought about helping people and helping someone, our, life, our, our world's going to be better. Honestly, um, agreed. <laughs> that's yeah. real, so honestly, good. yeah. So yeah. that's honestly, yeah, so much like... I can't even put it better into words than you did just then. Um, moving on to a bit of a lighter note. Um, sorry to anyone who's listening who may have been triggered by that sort of talk. I apologize to anyone. Um, Next topic is what is your current beer of choice? Ah, beer of choice. Now, yes. I, you know, in my days as a rugby league player, I did have a nickname, which my, my surname is Hughes. Which I was Hughesy, and then someone did actually change it to Boozy for a while. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so I did have this terrible nickname, Boozy, so if <laughs> Boozy should know his beers quite well. Um, I like Tui's. I like, I, like, um, I like the 50 Lashes. Oh, okay, okay, yep. 50 lashes. Um, although sometimes you feel like you've had 50 lashes the next day. You've had <laughs> um, I like a mid-strength beer now. Yeah. So it's like a great northern sort of mid-strength, or just a lot. Yeah, the four X or the you know any mid-strength. Just to, you feel a little bit better the next day, don't you? Oh, you do, you do. I tied a few together yesterday while watching the Parramatta Bulldogs game, but they were mid-strengths and. I can promise you my body's thanking me for doing that rather than having the full strength. Um, yeah. if, if you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be and why? If I could have any superpower? Yeah. Um, look, it's, I, I'm not going to say it's a boring answer, but I would want to have healing powers because I'd want to I'd cure people of cancer. So that's what I, that's, that's what I would want to do. That, that's not boring, honestly. That's really not. Families devastated by cancer, not just brain cancer, any cancer. So any cancer, the C word, let's put it that way. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to sort that out. So, and I think, I think that would help, help people a lot if we could sort this cancer problem out. Definitely, definitely. Um, how do you like your steak cooked? Uh, medium. Medium? Okay. Medium yeah. well or medium yeah. rare? No, just medium, sort of rare, medium rareish. Yep. Um, I've got a Weber barbecue at home, so I, I get nice. the Weber on. Put it on, uh, three or four minutes on one side, three or four on the other, and then we're ready to go. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Um, now, a question from our sponsor, Sky Spark Electrical. They ask, if you could go back, or even now, meet your teen self, what advice would you give him for life that's about to happen for him? 
Well, the advice I'd give my young self would be to, um, I think, not, not always worry what other people think. Um, you know, I think as, as youngsters and that, we all get guilty and worried about what people say about you, what they think of you, and just be yourself. Honestly, that's great advice. Um, what's your current favourite Netflix or TV show that you're currently binging or addicted to? I, I was watching... Um, I've watched the Michael Jordan one like everyone else in the world. I haven't. Uh, I'm, I'm still yet uh, to, yeah. And that. And I watched Sutherland Till I, Till I Die. It's uh, a sub about the Sutherland soccer team in England. Oh, yep, yep. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, and they, they follow them in their, their journey over a season or two and found that quite interesting. So there's a couple. Okay, definitely. Well, I'll definitely, as you said, everyone's watched the Michael Jordan one ex- except myself. I, I don't know why. I just. I've been meaning to, I just haven't got around to it, but I'll definitely, now that he, now Mark Hughes recommends, I'll definitely watch that. Um, and obviously movies, what's your favourite, you know, what's your favourite movie of all time and what's your favourite movie that you've watched recently? Uh, I haven't been to the movies for a while. Um, it could be one that you've watched for the first time recently though, it doesn't have to be at the cinema. Yeah, um, so I, I'm just, I always like uh, a good laugh and good fun. Um, movies, probably my fun, you know. Will Farrell's always ah, uh, he's always a good one. Yep. Yeah, I remember as a kid, I loved Happy Gilmore. <sighs> Great um, film. That's just fun, good fun show. Uh, recently, what have I watched? Um, I must admit, I, I just nothing is popping up there as far as recently what I've watched. So, yeah, a little bit boring there. Yeah, no. So Will Farrell and Happy Gilmore. So more or less, Will Farrell, Adam Sandler type stuff. Yeah, Adam Sandler. I, you know, uh, I loved. Simple shows like Meet the Parents. I used to like that show. And, yeah. Um, Honestly, that's, that's so great. Um, how did you handle the change from being a player into retirement? Yeah, look, as a 16, 17-year-old, when I was you know playing for Curry Curry, I was an apprentice, fitter machinist. So I was in the workforce. I was living a normal life. So I think I I had that inbuilt in me. And I, I was sort of ready by the end of my football career. I had a had a wonderful career, but had a few injuries towards the end, which you lose a bit of the fun out of your game when you mm. get a few injuries. So I was ready. Um, my wife um, was ready just to start it again at, at the age of 30, and I, I, t- I actually did a really good transition. That's really good. And speaking of transitioning, you finished your career at the Knights and went straight over to the Super League to play for Catalans. Not only are they a Super League team, but they're also a totally non-English speaking sort of area in France, in Perpignan. What was that like? The cultural difference, the code-ish difference and everything in between? Wow, what, a, what an experience. What a, what a way to finish. Like the culture of France, south of France, you know, the beach. The beach was, we're living on the beach. The, the snow mountains were half hour away. Oh, um, snow and beach, that, wow. Yeah, Barcelona was, um, the, yeah, like an hour or two away. It was an amazing place to live. Met some really good people. Look, the language barriers was hard. We had a little one at the time and going to the doctors and that could sometimes be a little stressful. But the club made us feel very welcome. Teamed up with some great uh, players that, people would be familiar with, um, particularly Stacey Jones. Yep, yep. Um, you know, the New Zealand Warriors legend and 
met some yeah. So I look back on that with fond memories. He'd lay out. That's honestly I don't know if he was really like awesome. Caterpillar, but he'd lay Did you have any pregame routines or rituals, whether it's the night before, the day of, and wear. if not, okay. Who, well, during your time at the Knights, had the weirdest type of routine or pregame ritual. I remember rooming with Matty Johnson. Yeah, so that was I found that. Um, was it a different pair each time, or was it the same pair, even though we'd lay out at 10 pairs? Listen, um, you know, yeah, so he had a lot of different boots. I I, uh, I used to love getting to the ground, getting straight in to get my ankles taped up. Everyone gets their ankles taped, so I'd, like, get that done. Then you'd go out and you'd watch the um, 21s or reserve grade. Yep. You know, it wasn't that good to be able to go back in the day, watch three games of footy and... I used to love doing that. I used to love go go and watch the three grades of the footy and the, obviously the main event being the first grade. It was great. And you'd see these young players coming through the ranks and you'd watch them and follow them. And, um, but, yeah, so I used to enjoy doing that. Um, nothing better than a Sunday afternoon game at Newcastle, sun shining, 20,000 Novocastrians there to watch us with blokes like Andrew Johns in your team more often than not winning. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great time, you know. I, from when I started in 97, uh, right through to about 2002, we generally were a chance of winning the comp every year. Made yeah. The semis every well, um, yeah, you made the semis and all that most of the years that you played. Yeah, so just a brilliant era. You know, Ben Kennedy, Danny Badiris, Matt Gidley. Kirk Gidley, Tamana Tahu, yourself, I, I, Robbie O. Um, you know, just... You know, and what the good thing about it, really good mates to this day. You know, mm. like that's the good thing. We were very close. A lot of us still live near each other. Um, we train of a morning, three or four mornings a week still. Uh, we call ourselves the Wolf Pack. Yep. And Kurt Gidley runs that with Denny Badiris when he, or Denny's he can't come with us now because of um, COVID because he's involved at the nights. Yep. But Paul Harrigan, uh, Stephen Crow, a former teammate, Jared O'Doherty. We have a little group. We do a bit of that uh, training. And I keep fit by doing air locker as well. So, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I was talking to John Scandalis the other day, and he said that it's a very rare bond that you kind of make with teammates when you win a grand final together. Like, it's you can go through your whole career with, like, with, with a group of blokes and not necessarily win a grand final. But, like, that winning the grand final puts that extra brotherhood sort of vibe amongst you and the players. Do you um, agree with that sort of statement? Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore. You, you're galvanised for life uh, when you win a premiership together. And you might see each other for a while, but you you just run into each other and then you talk like nothing, nothing's changed, you know? And that's, that's a really good thing. And lucky enough to have done that. Uh, win two premierships with the Knights. What um, was the oath? What was the 2001 grand final win like? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Parramatta were raging favourites that year and had a had a super season. But we came out and you know, led by blokes like Andrew Johns and Ben Kennedy, walked off the field at 24 nil, I think, at half time. And yeah, we'd sort of once again, <laughs> Newcastle just got behind us. It was about four years since our last premiership. Uh, it was a full premiership this year. The 97 one, there was what there was Super League as well. Yeah, the so Super was, League and split, yep. Yeah, there was that hanging over us. So it was nice to win um, the VR1 one, one as well. So two occasions you'll never forget. My great mate Billy Peden played lock that day, scored two tries. Um, yeah, fantastic day. 
Honestly, that's amazing. I was talking to Robbie O, as, as I mentioned earlier. I think it was either the 97 or the 01 Grand Final where Joey just was always like, we got this, boys, at the end of at the start of every kickoff that you guys would have to do because obviously you were losing it at one point. He was like, we've got this, boys. We've got this. We've got this, you know, throughout the whole game. And then, like, I think it was like that final kick that Joey did to win the game or something. He straight up says, I've got this, boys. It, do you remember that sort of thing? Did he, did he do that? There was... There was an underlining confidence in both the 97 and 2001 teams that we were going to win. Um, and looking back on it, yeah, I was very confident and felt really good about being there and the people that we had around us and the support we had behind us. And yeah, 1997, we won in the last minute. But <laughs> there was that underlining feeling amongst the team that, hey, we, we're going to get there, we're going to do this. And yeah, we, we somehow found a way. Exactly. Um, oh, sorry. It's just amazing hearing all these stories. It really is. Um, what are your thoughts of the 2020 nights and the 2020 season and COVID restart and everything in between? Yeah, it's certainly been yeah crazy circumstances, but well done to the NRL for getting the football back like they did. Oh, for um, sure. And not many others were willing to do that. Um so, yeah, I'm really enjoying my football uh, since it came back from COVID. I really feel like I'm enjoying the games. I think the referees are doing a good job. And uh, my team, Knights, uh, we've, we've, we've done really well, but we've had a, a couple of weeks now where uh, we haven't had the results we wanted. Mm-hmm. But I feel Adam O'Brien's doing a great job as coach. He really is, so for sure. And we've got a really... A real team of triers, um, you know, like every club, few injuries, which don't help. No, never but, helps um, the team. Nah, it doesn't help. But, and you know what? We've got a really good bunch of blokes that whenever I ask them to help with the foundation or anything, they, they put their hands up and they, they, they're only too happy to help. So um, being great footballers is one thing, but doing good things for others, mm. Um, using your football to help others. Using your platform really sort of thing. Yeah, that's, and you know, so not everyone uses their platform to, to do good and do better, but it's those footballers that are happy to do things in the community on the back of their rugby league that are the true champions for mine. For sure, and also I was about to say just before you mentioned that, if at any point you'd like me to promote anything for the M- like MHF, Mark Hughes Foundation, or Railock or anything, I'm happy to share a post, to do whatever, go to any events. It, that's anything you, you'd like. I'm happy to. I dyed my hair pink in October a few years ago for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so I'm mo- that's awesome. Mate. I'm more than happy to help out. Um, right, next question would be the future. Um, if you could tell. 10 years into the future, what's going to happen for you personally and, and your life, but couldn't get there because the time travel isn't a thing. Um, would you want to go through the 10 years or would you rather just skip to ahead to the 10 years? Um, no, I, I'd want to get there just day by day. I wouldn't want to skip anything. Uh, I've really got a real presence in my life now where I just make today count wake up tomorrow and start again and make tomorrow count. And I tell people we can't change what's happened or we can't, you know, change yesterday, but we can change tomorrow. And, I, you know, by, by a, a better attitude, being positive, being strong. So that's how I, I play it now, mate, is uh, take day by day and, and just go, go, that, go that way. Honestly, that's great. 
And I've got one more topic slash question is, do you have any advice for any kids that would love to get into the big leagues one day? Well, I think you need to believe in yourself um, when others maybe don't. I think that's the most important thing is to believe in yourself. And lots of us have dreams, but it's those that get up out of bed and are willing to live and breathe those dreams that can make it. And the, the thing that I like to say to people is, how do you behave when no one's watching? Mm. When no one's around, are you happy to do the extra training? Are you happy to do the right thing? Are you, are you going to make smart choices? Are you going to make the right choices? Because every day we're faced with choices, but you've got to make good choices to get to a top level. And I, I think that is really, really important to, to be making the right choices for you, not, not for your mates. Honestly, that's probably the best advice and i'm sorry to any former person that i've had on as a guest because most most guests say you know work hard because hard work works when talent doesn't sort of thing you know but like that is that's a great adage but what you just said is also like if you couple those two together that's the perfect mix honestly that's that's so good um honestly that's about it that i've got um written down so thank you